All right, kids, look at me this way. So today we're going to be talking about prayer. And the first thing that I'm going to tell everybody is that prayer is like breathing. So I wonder, how long can you hold your breath? Right? So let's try it. So I'm going to, I'm just going to keep talking and I want to see if you can hold your breath the whole time. Ready? One, two, three, hold your breath. Don't breathe. Don't breathe. Prayer is also like this cord right here and this lamp. This lamp is you. This cord is prayer. You still holding your breath? Right? So I'm going to turn the lamp on. Nothing happened. Somebody let their breath out yet? No? Still holding your breath? There we go. Nora let her breath out. So Nora, you can tell me what's wrong. Why, why isn't this lamp lighting? Because it's not plugged in. Who's still holding their breath? You guys are amazing. Are you cheating? I'm just wondering. All right, so now, look, prayer is like this cord. Oh, suddenly it plugs you into the power source. Prayer is like breathing. Prayer is like this cord that plugs you into the power source. Who's the power source? Oh, you have to let your breath out to tell me, don't you? All right, everybody let your breath out. Oh, at long last, huh? Who's the power source? Who lights us up? Still holding your breath. Jesus is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Okay? So if you want your life to light up, you need to be connected to power. See, I have this other cord right here. It's plugged into the wall. That's, the, that's where the electricity comes from. But if I don't have any electricity, I don't have any light. And if you don't have any breath, you don't have any life. That's why we got to pray. All right, you guys go back to your seats. All right, so here's the question. Prayer is like breathing for a believer. And that's not an idea that I came up with. There's an, actually a very, very famous man named John Wesley who said that. Uh, he started uh, the Methodist movement. So Methodists trace their history back to John Wesley. And he said, prayers like breathing. If that is the case, then I wonder how many of you are holding your breath like those kids. Have you ever been so scared that you were holding your breath and you didn't even realize you were holding your breath? I have uh, lifted weights for many years. I know you can't tell, but I do try. <laughs> I've lifted weights for many years. And what I've noticed, I've also coached people and helped people learn how to lift weights. But what I've noticed is some people, when they lift weights, just don't breathe. They just go. <gasps> and I'm like, breathe, breathe. You need to breathe, right? So you breathe in. So let's say I'm doing bench press. I breathe in when I go down and I breathe. Oh, out when I push out, when I have effort. You need to breathe if you're going to live. And if you're going to live as a Christian, you need to breathe. What's amazing to me is many of you are just like these young people, it's primarily young people that I've coached doing weightlifting, uh, that lift weights. When something really, really crazy happens, you get scared and you go, oh! and you don't say anything to the Lord and you don't ask anybody to pray for you. Or something's really, really hard, and so you're just concentrating, and you're doing your best, but you're not praying. The Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. What I'm going to say to you is, that is absolutely essential, just like you need electricity to light this lamp, just, and just like you need air in order to live, you need prayer in order to have any sort of Christian life whatsoever. If you're not praying, 
you're not living, right? And I know that many of us have gone through some difficult times or are currently going through some difficult times. So once again, I ask you, are you praying? What is that like for you? Is it kind of spurts and starts? Is it just, oh, God help me? Well, that's great, that's a start. But prayer without ceasing means that you just open up your thoughts to God and you let that flow. But there's also there also need to be times that you sit down and you spend with God in prayer, right? Um, when we work out uh, with karate, we'll do our jumping jacks, right? And I'm gonna turn this on so I can put this down. After we do our jumping jacks, everybody's winded. <gasps> They're breathing. And I got a lot of these kids in that class, right? And a long time ago, Pastor Craig does this with them. We call him Senpai Wilson in the class. Senpai is the senior student. And uh, so what we do is we, we raise our hands up like this and we breathe in. So you're kind of seated. You might have to do a little mini version of this, but just try this with me. Try this little exercise. Raise your hands up and breathe in. Now push down and breathe out. Inspiration, expiration. Now, you know what's amazing? I bet you feel calmer right now than you did just a moment ago. Now, talk to Craig, who is a jack of many trades, right? Senpai Wilson, Pastor Craig. He's also a principal, and he's worked with students who are having panic attacks and having difficulty, and that's what he gets them to do is breathe. Friends, are you a Christian or not? And i just be honest with you. If you're not praying, you're not breathing. And I'm not trying to say you're not saved and, you know, you're a terrible person and all this. But, you know, the first thing you need to learn to do is breathe. It's basic, you know, and, and like I could keep going back to karate, but we teach you how to stand. We teach you how to breathe. We teach you how to do everything. And... Christianity is no different. This is a very, very basic message. But as I've looked at myself over the last several weeks and the drama that I've been going through, buddy, I haven't just been breathing. I've been hyperventilating. Have you ever done that? That's when you're like, God, 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 God. You're like dizzy, right? But I think God would rather have that than you just holding your breath and say, nope, I'll do it myself. You know, I... I I think, I think birth order plays a significant role or has a significant influence over how you handle things. Right? How many people in this room are the firstborn, right? So we're the ones always taking responsibility. Now that doesn't, it's not exclusive, right? You may be a middle child, you may be the youngest and you do the same thing. I, this isn't, right, determinism. But I'm saying there's a tendency for firstborn, nope, I gotta do it. No, get, just move out of the way. Just, just let me do it. We don't ask for help, right? This is probably my fundamental problem in, in being a pastor is I think that you're like me. So you get a job to do and then I just let you do it and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. When somebody gives me a job to do, I don't want them to tell me how to do it. I want them to get out of the way and let me do it because I'll figure it out. I promise I'll figure it out. Just don't yap at me because then I've got to listen to you and go, yes, okay, okay, okay. Can I do this now? Move out of my way and let me do it, right? But if we get that way with God, 
we're not having a good conversation with him. We're not communicating with him. We're basically saying to God, what you've seen little kids, whether they're the firstborn or not, you know, they're like, no, get, you know, they, no, I want it. I want to do it, right? The Lord's not going to do it for you, but he is going to do it through you. Amen? And especially if you're going to do anything that the Lord has called you to do, you can't do that by yourself. He never intended for you to just stumble around, blunder around, and try to, to gut all this out and do it yourself. He wants to work in you and work through you, but you have to cooperate. It's just like breathing. And you need that source of power coming into your life, right? Jesus is the light of the world. You're not. But Jesus told you to be the light of the world. Well, the way that happens is I reflect the light of Jesus. Or in this example, this illustration I'm using here, he provides the current, the power that lights the light. And he created the light as well, right? So if you have a bulletin, and those of you that are uh, joining us online, you'll see all of the points from the bulletin. They will appear at the bottom of your screen. But if you have a bulletin, you see that I've asked you, uh, or I've, I've uh, given you that fill-in right there. Number one, prayer is like breathing to the believer. And then I ask the question, are you holding your breath, right? So that's just a way for you to remember. I have been encouraged, by the way, uh, a number of times, and I will see bulletins laying around where people have not just done the fill-ins, but they've, you know, they've written other notes and things that they thought. Man, that's the way you're going to remember. Write it down, and you will be more likely to remember it. And then you don't, you know, I know people that like to keep all of their old bulletins from church, right? And they stack them all and keep them. That's awesome. Um, but you can just take a picture of that, just so that you can remember what's going on there. All right. Now. Number two, let's get away from the illustrations now and uh, let's get down to what's going on when we pray or what our expectations are. Do you expect anything to happen when you pray? Now, see, we may just pray out of desperation and just say, God, help me. Here's the question. Do you expect him to help you? Well, I hope he does. But see, that word hope can be used in a lot of different ways. One of the main ways that it should be used is you have an expectation that something is going to happen. But you know, what I think that means for some people is, well, we'll see. Guess so. Maybe so. Could be. I'm looking for the best uh, outcome, but I don't know. But see, that's not hope. Hope means that I've got a hold of a promise from God. And I believe that he's a good and loving God and he's going to fulfill that promise. And there's lots of hope presented to us in the scripture. So when you pray, do you expect something to happen? As you pray, are you expecting something to happen? After you pray, do you expect something to happen? Right? Number three, as you pray, do you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit or does it just seem like you got words going up into an empty sky? Right. There was an old song in the late 60s or maybe early 70s um, by this band. There were a lot of one off bands in the early 70s. And uh, I won't sing it too long for you because I don't want you to cringe and leave. But it, it goes, speak to the sky whenever things go wrong. And you'll know you're not just talking to the air, to the air. Sweet, sing it with me. All right. No. <laughs> but I suspect that some of us are speaking to the sky and not speaking to a person. 
I want you to understand, God's not an idea. He's not a concept. Now, I presented a lot of really, really good reasons for you to believe that there is a God who created the universe, that he is good, that he is loving, that he is powerful, but in the end, he is a person, not a human person, but he is a person. And as the result, you can have a personal relationship with him, and you are going to carry out that relationship with communication. So let's think about that for just a moment. Last week, um, at, the, at the end of the message, uh, I gave you a brief outline, and I said that when people face an immediate threat, they may, what? Fight or flee, right? That's the natural animal instinct, fight or flight. And then I said, or they may fall, but you know, the better word here is freeze, and believe it or not, that's actually an instinct. What do you think you should do if you are hiking and you encounter a bear? You need to freeze. You need to be absolutely still. If you turn and run, then the bear may chase you. And you're sure as the world not going to fight a bear, are you? I don't think so. But that's the way in the natural we respond to a threat. We freeze, right? And we don't breathe. And we don't pray. We're just freaking out. And we don't know what to do. And we're just freezing there. Or we fight. You know what? I see this happen in families. You should be pulling together, right? You should be communicating. You should be working together. And instead, there's a threat and everybody is fighting. I've been in churches uh, before where you have business meetings and everybody is fighting because there is a perceived threat or you flee. So this is, uh, you know, the husband or the wife, things are going bad. Uh, maybe the mortgage is not getting paid. Maybe one or the other loses their job and they're just like, I'm out of here. I am out of here. And they just leave. Leave the other parent with the kids and just say, you know, I don't care what you do. You're running away. That's in the natural, right? But many of these things could be forestalled. Many of these things wouldn't happen if we would just communicate with one another all along the way and have faith, right? So in the natural, it's fight or flight or freeze, but in the supernatural, it's trust a good and loving God who's got me in his hands and who is going to reveal the path for me. He's gonna reveal the direction that he has for me. And so I need to be praying. In your families, you need to be communicating. You should have regular times where you sit down and talk with one another. That used to be mealtime. Now we all just kind of take our meals and sit in front of the TV or go to our room or, you know, eat on the way to this or, or back and forth to that. And I don't know what your schedules are like. And I, I'm not trying to make you feel bad about anything. But I am saying that if we're going to get through our tough times, then we've got to communicate. And that goes for you guys as well in this church. Um, often people assume that I know what's going on. I can't pray for you if I don't know what's going on. I can't. And I'm not just going to instinctively know. I, you know, I wish that I was this super spiritual person that was like, oh, wait a minute, there's a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yep, it's that family over there. Hang on, prophecy, prophecy, prophecy. Okay, that's what it is. No, but if you'll communicate with me, then I will be able to pray for you. 
and I will get other people to pray for you. When there's a problem, and I know that I need somebody to pray and agree with me, then I call Miss Mary, and we agree. And then whatever problem you have, it's in trouble. No, it's in serious trouble. You think you're in trouble. No, I'm going to tell you. The devil's got trouble when I pray, and the devil's really got trouble when Mary and I pray. So do you pray together as a family, or do you just freeze up, don't say anything? Do you just fight with each other? Or have you just moved to opposite sides of the house and you're moving away from one another? No, we need to communicate. And that's, that's what this prayer uh, message is about today. I want you to be in a regular habit of speaking to the Lord, okay? And what I hope is that as you pray, you're open to paying attention, receiving what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you. Now, I have never had an experience of God speaking to me with some sort of audible voice. I often have an impression or a conviction that I should do something. And it may be something big or it may be something small. But I I have that all the time. And that's the Holy Spirit moving. I often have a sense that the Lord wants me to read a particular passage of scripture, usually coming directly out of my, uh, my daily reading from all of these lectionaries that I read. Um, and many of the scriptures that I send you all, those of you that are on my scripture list, and if you wanna be on that, go to lifewell.flocknote.com and just click the box for daily Bible and you'll start getting uh, a verse from me and then you can click that and you can read a, a chapter each day. But I pray through those things and I think through those things and then I post them for you. But I want you to have that same experience with God where you are in the word and you are expecting him to speak. When you pray, do you expect that God is gonna do anything? Guess what? You are likely to get exactly what you expect. You expect nothing and you get nothing. You expect God, who is good and loving, to move in you and to lead you, and if you're still, you will find that that's exactly what he will do. And if you get into the word, that's exactly what you will find that he will do. So number four is prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. See, that I think is a big misunderstanding that people have about prayer. They think prayer is just about me talking to God me just telling God what I think, what I feel, and what I want. That's a monologue. And you, you may need to start off with that. You may not have any sensitivity right now to the, to the Holy Spirit um, moving inside of you. You may not be in your word like you need to be. You may not be asking God to, to quicken the word so that you understand it, to bring it alive to you so that it is something that's... Listen, this is, this is wonderful. This is an amazing book. And even if you just study the history of it and you just read the words that are in it, you're going to get something out of it. But what you need to do, you desperately need this in as much as you need to pray, is you need to read this word expecting God to say something directly to you. Sure, there's a lot of general principles in the Bible, but friend... You need to pray that the Holy Spirit will quicken that, will illuminate that to you, will make it relevant to you and bring it up off the page, not as a general principle, but as a word for you today. God wants to speak to you every single day. Amen? Amen. 
So that's what I need to have is that expectancy that God is going to talk back. So, you know, I'm going to try to pray without ceasing all the time. And sometimes I complain without ceasing. I'm sure God gets tired of hearing that. But nonetheless, um, I try to make time and I do make time every day to get into the word. And I have an expectation that God is going to speak back. Believe it or not, that's just not Bible reading or studying the Bible. That is expecting God to speak through the word. I also, you know, several weeks back when we were doing the this series on God is great, God is good, um, I said to you that God created all things with good purpose, right? That at the end of the creation account, the scripture says, and God saw everything that he had made and it was good. It was very good, right? And what I encouraged you to do was to get into nature and to read God's first book. Now, I have a lengthy story related to that. I'm not going to relate it to you today. But I will tell you that if you're reading the word and you're getting out in nature, you're going to find that God is going to speak to you on a regular basis. Amen. Number five is after you prayed, you have confidence that God has heard you and answered. Notice I said that in the past tense. Not that he will answer, but that he has already answered. Even if you don't know what the answer is, Praying in faith means, no, I believe that God has already heard me and God has already answered, right? So um, the prayer of faith brings assurance. In fact, that's what the scripture defines faith to be. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Notice hope. So you read the word and there's a promise there and that sets your hope. And then God assures you. He gives you confidence that it's going to come true, even though it hasn't yet. That's faith. Faith and hope go hand in hand. You have to have one in order to have the other. You're not going to have faith and be hopeless and helpless, right? And you're not going to have hope and not have God assure you if that hope is coming from his word. So you need to have this assurance that what you've prayed for is all, it's already happened. We'll, we'll call this in the heavenlies, right? Uh, Matthew likes to use the term the heavens. And um, that is a, uh, uh, you know, God space, we might say. Uh, Dallas Willard, uh, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, makes that case over and over again, that that's a very, very important designation that Matthew uses when he says the kingdom of the heavens, right? That's God's space. That's where God is in absolute control. As I tried to help you understand, we're in a fallen world and God's not micromanaging the world, right? It operates in accordance with laws, but it's a fallen world. So there's a lot of stuff going on down here that God doesn't have a thing to do with. It's, there's many things going on in the world that are not God's will. He doesn't want them to happen. He wants us to get involved. He wants us to pray. He wants us to do something about some of these things. And there are plenty of them that we don't have any control over. Now, God is in ultimate control. I'm not trying to say he's not. But you need to understand the difference between God being in absolute and immediate control of everything and God allowing us this space where we can make mistakes and do these different things that we do, which is down here. The heavens are where God is in absolute and immediate control. When you've prayed, God has already answered. Amen? When you've prayed, God has already done it, whether you have seen it or not, whether you have sensed it or not. When you pray, it's already a done deal. That's the kind of faith you need to have. It's a done deal. 
And there's just a whole lot of things going on right now that we need that kind of confidence about, right? And we'll get into some more practicals about that uh, perhaps next week. Number seven, faith is based upon God's word. So I don't just name it and claim it. Right? I don't, don't just say it and it is. That's not faith. Faith is based on God's word. God reveals himself fundamentally in the Bible, right? He quickens it. He makes it real. He makes it alive to us. And that's his word. And his word doesn't fail. He's going to present that word to you as a word that he wants you to lay hold of by faith. The difference, though, between that and presumption is presumption is based upon your word. It's based upon what you say. And I see a lot of false prophets out there, uh, many of them, you know, in charismatic and Pentecostal circles. And I, I don't have any disparagement toward our Pentecostal and charismatic brothers. But I see plenty of false prophets out there that just believe that they can say whatever it is. And it's a positive thing. And if they can get you to believe it, it's yours. Believe it and it's yours. Believe it and it's yours. No. God makes promises in his word. He quickens those to you and then you respond in faith. And then it's already done. At that point, it's a done deal. You're going to see it with your physical eyes, but until that time, you're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Number eight, to validate a word from the Lord that you have received in prayer, because you may be praying and you may get just a sense, right? Again, I doubt that you're going to hear a voice, but you may just get a sense, a conviction. I think, I think our family needs to do this. Lord, I, I just, I believe that you're saying this. And so you, you, you step out and, and you want to do what's right. To validate any word that you get from God, you need to be in the Bible, friend. If you're not reading the Bible, then you don't know God's voice. You don't know the difference between God's voice and your voice. And that's the danger. And this is why some churches will not teach what I'm teaching you today and say that God wants to speak to you in prayer because they are concerned and rightly concerned that you may just act on your own whim, your own emotion. And I've seen this with people. They just make wild decisions. Well, I'm just going to do this. Well, I'm just going to do this. Well, we're just going to do this. And God's not in it at all because you haven't laid it before him. You haven't been paying attention. You haven't been in the word. All right. So we need to surrender that to the word. We need to look for scripture that will speak to us. Right. Number nine, you can be wrong, but the Bible is inerrant and all it's uh, is inerrant in all it affirms and is in and it is infallible in all it promises. The Bible is inerrant in all it affirms and infallible in all, its all it promises because the Bible is God's word. That's why praying and staying in the word are companions to one another. They need to be side by side. And finally, number 10, the question you need to ask as you read the word of God is, what are you saying to me, Lord? Don't ask me the question. Don't ask yourself the question. Ask God the question as you're reading. What are you saying to me? So I'm going to conclude by reading a little passage of Scripture. And what I hope is that you're going to pay attention to what the Lord wants to say to you. This is Luke chapter 11. When I am con conclude with this, I'm going to 
say a brief word of prayer, and then we're going to get back to worshiping again. And I hope you will respond as the Holy Spirit has led you in this service today. Luke 11, verse 1, this is the New Living Translation. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. That would be John the Baptist he's speaking of. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And here's this really long prayer that Jesus taught them. Are you ready? You're going to have to hang on. It's really long. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the prayer. You don't have to have long prayers. Okay? Verse 5. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Hey, by the way, there was some bread out there in the lobby. You don't have to borrow it. You can just take a loaf. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for a friendship, for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence, your impotence, your impudence. Verse nine. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. How many people is that promise good for? Everyone. Is it good for you? So if you ask God and keep asking, is he going to answer? If you seek and you keep seeking, you look and keep looking, is God going to reveal what you need to know? Yes. yes. If you try and keep trying, is God going to open the door of opportunity and give you the ability to, to receive some things, to enter in some, to in, into some new breakthroughs and some new places in your life? Is he going to do that for you? Yes, he's going to do that for you. You need to believe it. Right. We need to stop being these religious people that just come to church and or, or watch online and and just kind of let things happen. Well, we'll see. We'll see. No, you won't. If you keep saying we'll see you, you won't. You won't. Right. But if you believe, then you'll see. Amen. If you say, well, I'll believe it when I see it, then you won't. OK. But if you start believing, then you will see it. It's the other way around. So. I hope the Lord has spoken to you today, and I hope you understand that the very first prayer that any of us needs to pray is calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Right? You need to call out to him. You need to say whatever you want to say, however you want to address him, Lord Jesus, right? I don't even know if I believe in you as much as I should or how I should, but I need you to save me. I'm a sinner. I fall short. I have all of these needs in my life, and will you come into my life and fix it? Will you save me? Will you forgive me? Use your own words. I didn't come up with a form prayer just now to pray. I want you to use your own words and start off with that relationship with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and being saved. 
and just put a little bit of faith behind it. All it requires is the smallest amount of faith. Jesus said, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and it would obey you. It's not the, the size of your faith. It's the size of the God in whom you have faith. Amen. This is the God who spoke the universe into existence. 200 billion galaxies, 100 billion trillion stars, and God said, let it be, and it was. Can he handle your problem? Can he handle your problem? Yes. He absolutely can. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to preach your word today. I pray that your people were challenged and encouraged, and I pray that we do carry on an ongoing conversation with you and see our lives transformed as the result. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.